So turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, verses 27 to 34, and um, spoke about this a, a little bit on Wednesday night from the book of Ephesians chapter 1, but I, rather than doing that, I, would do, uh, I, started, I thought I would go to Matthew chapter 6, and the title is Positional Living, and um, what position do we occupy in our life? And, you know, sometimes we call it station. What station do we have in life? Um, how, how we respond to situations, how we respond in our life, often determines how we, I mean, how we see ourselves often determines how we respond, okay? How we see ourselves mentally, physically, spiritually, how we see that, we, uh, we respond. You know, we know that there are different personality types, that there's the the very aggressive, the D, the high Ds, the domineerings, the, um, I forget, what are they? Anybody remember them? They have lions and tigers and bears. They have different animals for different personalities. They have different, um, you know, the people are very aggressive. They're very submissive. There's five, four or five different personality types. And, and how our combinations of them work in our life. And, and sometimes... We look at this and we look at who we are and we say, well, it's just who I am. It's just who I am, that's why I respond the way I do. It's just who I am, that's why I do what I do. Well, the challenge that is presented to us in scriptures is that we are to look at who we are, but yet determine how we're supposed to respond. And yes, we do have a kind of a predisposition in our personality type to be able to respond a certain way, but we also know that there, there are good and bad parts of who we are, of our personality. You know, um, so it, it's, a, it's a matter of being able to look at the strengths that we have and how then that God can work in our life to continue to develop who we are and continue to develop that in a strong, a strong Christian, a strong uh, relational experience with Christ way. So if we look at... Matthew chapter 6, verses 27 to 34. It's a very, it's, again, it's a very familiar portion of Scripture. And it says, Has anyone by fussing in front of the mirror ever gotten any taller? <laughs> this is the, this is the uh, Message Bible. Uh, has anyone by fussing in front of the mirror ever gotten any taller? Uh, some of us have never gotten any more hair by being in front of the mirror. But anyhow, uh, so have you gotten any taller by so much as an inch? All this time and money wasted on fashion, do you think it makes that much difference? Instead of looking at the fashion, walk out in the field and look at the flowers, the wildflowers. They never primp or shop. Oh, I wonder if this is, I could use this sermon against shopping all the time, something like that. But anyhow, <laughs> I, would, I would lose out on that one. Okay, um, anyhow, they never primp or shop, but have you ever seen colors and designs quite like it? The ten best men and women in the country look shabby alongside of them. Then verses 30. If God gives so much attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, don't you think he attends to you, takes pride in you, do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting, so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and how he works, steep your life in 
okay, stop up a little bit, don't know how he works, steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. So one of the scriptures in the, uh, Matthew 6.33 in the King, King James says, <clears throat> Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. So looking at the provisions that God has given us that most people don't know God and the way he works. So we then are to steep our life in God realities, God initiatives, and God provisions. So as we then began to look at who we are, taking our personalities, taking our failures, taking our successes, confessing our sins, getting rid of all the things that tie us down to what we were, we want to be free in Christ to accomplish something, to accomplish the will of God, and uh, to look at how uh, God wants to work in our lives. But most of the time, no matter what God wants to do in our life, we already have a preconceived idea as to how things are going to turn out. That preconceived idea is what you think about yourself, how you think about yourself. What we're trying to do is change what we think about ourselves to what God thinks about us. So positional living is coming to a place in life where we are one with God, one with ourselves, one with others. Step your, you know, to steep our life in a God reality. So what type of reality are we looking at here? I would like uh, Ian and uh, Cassie. Where's Cassie? she go downstairs? she here? she went downstairs. Emma! Ian! Come on down. You have to come up front. Uh, well, then you're going to get to stand over here, right there, about the kind of stand over here. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, all I want you to do is wear these crowns. I got them at Burger King this morning. Hey, you're, you're queen and you're king. Oh, aren't you lucky? Yeah. Yeah. All right, there we go. Now, tell me, if you are the real king and queen and you occupy that position as king and queen of your empire, are you going to look at life differently than you do from sitting in the pew? You can help them out. Do you think? Why? Why are they going to look at life differently? Different perspective, but different position. Back there, you're just two ordinary people. Now, you're king and queen. What has happened? Your position has changed. Your crown has fallen. <laughs> so, so what else changes? Pardon? In the public's eye, the people, who, the people who look at you, oh, they think differently about you. Some are going to be very critical because you're king and queen. They don't even know you and they don't like you. 
Why? Because they're king and queen. They're high, high snobbed people. See how you became a snob? <laughs> you just became, they just became a snob with all their wealth. <clears throat> but you didn't change, or did you? So what else is going on? Help them out now. What's going on? What's that? They're embarrassed. Don't forget about being embarrassed. (laughs) That'll go away. But, you know, but what else is going on? Your position changes. Your perspective changes. Your attitude about yourself will change. Why? Because you have to make a decision based upon being a king and queen, not about just being ordinary Mary and Joe in everyday life, going to school. Right? Does it change? Yeah, Yeah, thank you very much. He agrees. (laughs) Can I go sit down now? I don't know. Uh, You know, you're going to appear for the whole sermon. This is a a total sermon illustration. So, (laughs) just kidding. All right, but anything else? Come on now, do you see the idea of position? Now, you went from sitting in the pew to being in front of everyone. That's a positional change. Do things look different up here than from the people? Yeah, because yeah, you've got to see all these people, and they're all looking at me. <laughs> but what else? What else changes? Responsibility changes? Attitude changes? Are there, good thi- are there any bad things that go with the change if they're now king and queen? Their hair falls out. <laughs> what else is a bad position? That only happens to preachers and bass players. <laughs> Drummers don't have to worry. What else? What else? Anything else change? Huh? They get grumpy. Uh, why? So much responsibility. So there's more responsibility. You've got a responsibility to your kingdom, not just to yourself, but to your kingdom. So there's a lot of pressure. You've got to walk right, dress right, think right, talk right. Talk right, think right. Anything else? Friendship. Yeah, I'm your best friend now, ain't I? Hey, Queenie, you and me, babe. <laughs> well, that's false friendships. People want to be close to you. Why? Can, I, can you write me a check? I need some money, Queenie. Give me a jewel or two. All right? You're going to live in a palace. You're not going to live in your house anymore. You're going to live in a palace. You're king and queen. Your lifestyle changes. Everything changes. Why? Because of your position. Imagine that. Your position changes everything. Is that enough? Is that enough? Okay. You can keep the crowns. (laughs) You have to wear them during church, though. No. (laughs) Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, he's never going to take his off. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah. You see, our position, now what you think about yourself, does it change when circumstances change? When everything's going good, don't, you know, we have a different opinion about ourselves. When everything's going bad, we have an opinion about ourselves. But what is God's opinion of us and what position does God place us in as his children? You see, we can only put king and queen up here as one, one, you know, two individuals. 
but Jesus Christ has put each one of us in the same position. Each one of us live in the same position of relational experience with Jesus Christ. And that relational experience with Jesus Christ changes everything in our life. Changes everything in our life. So that's why we are supposed to steep ourselves in God reality. Well, what is the reality of my relationship with Jesus Christ, and what does that reality bring with it? You see, the title of king and queen, that title brings a lot of things with it. It, it, you know, there's a lot of entitlements. Now you've got to go to balls and parties and, you know, travel in carriages and, you know, King and Eng, uh, King England, travel in Rolls Royces and have people serve you all the time. Yeah, you know, private schools, private education, you know, trips anywhere you want to go in the world. Everything changes because your position has changed. So what are the God realities that we are to live with? John 3, 16 and 17. We're very familiar with this one. This is how much God loves the world. He gave his son, his one and only son. And this is why. So that no one need be destroyed. So that no one need be destroyed, okay? What position, what position does God want you to occupy? He wants you to occupy the position that nothing can destroy you. Paul says nothing can separate us from the love of God. Neither heights, nor depths, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things past, things to come. <coughs> no creatures, nothing. The devil himself, nothing can separate you from God. Life or death. See, this is a positional relationship that you have with Jesus Christ. This is a position that goes along with the territory of being a child of God. <laughs> nothing can destroy you. Well, what do you mean, nothing can be? Don't, don't, don't be concerned about things that destroy the body. Be concerned about the things that would destroy the soul. <laughs> so what are we looking at here? So don't get all worked up over changes that go on in life. Get, understand that while you are walking with God, you have a positional relationship with God because of your confession of faith and your confession that your sins be forgiven. You're a changed person. Why? Because you have a new position. No one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. Goes with the position. You have a whole and lasting life. It is eternal life. Now, if that, in that, just in that position, you have eternal life. You have eternal life. You are in that position. How should you then rule over your life, knowing that you have eternal life? Know that you, have, you are a child of God. Know that Jesus Christ died for your sins, and you have asked him to save you from your sins, forgive you of your sins. You now have this position. How then should you look at life? How then should you look at the difficulties of life, the very good things, the very worst things? How do you look at it? Because we have a different perspective. You are now in this position. God put you there. Every Christian, every believer occupies this position. Nothing will destroy you. You have a whole and lasting life. I'm going to live forever. 
Well, then, you know, we think about, well, what about accidents? What about death? Well, no matter what happens to me, I'm safe in this life and the life to come. So I don't need to fear the accidents. I need to take care of my life, but I don't need to fear the arrow that flies by day or the pestilence that comes by night. Now, do you ever watch uh, the movies where they, they have, uh, what was it, Robin, Robin, is it Robin Hood? Robin Hood, they go up on the, up on the cliffs and every, the archers pull back and what do they do? They shoot all these arrows and these arrows, thousands of arrows fly through the sky and these guys, these poor people down on the beach are just getting hammered by these arrows. That's the arrow that flies by day. It's the luck of the, somebody shoots an arrow and it ends up, you know, you get, you, you get, you. So in, in wartime, the psalmist is saying, we don't need to fear the arrow that flies by day or the pestilence that comes by night. Why? Because of our position. We don't need to be afraid of it. God didn't do, God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger. This is where we, we have a, <clears throat> a hard time. People have a hard time with this relational position. They think that the only reason God came at, was to point fingers and say, you know what you did wrong, you know your sin, you know your problems, you know your failures, you know your background, you know, you know, you know, and pointing an accusing finger. That is not, nowhere in the scripture is that ever the highlight of why God came. The only reason it is ever brought up is so that we recognize that it is taken from us. He didn't come to tell the world how bad it was. That's the position we live in. We're not here to tell the world how bad they are. We're here to serve the world, serve Jesus Christ in going out and teaching and telling the world about Jesus. But anyhow, so we, he wasn't here to tell the world how bad it was. He came to help. He came to put the world right again. God, Jesus Christ, came to put us in the position that we were intended to have from the very beginning, from, from creation. In creation, Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day and they were friends with God. God was friends with them. So that is the position that we have with God. We are in a position of friendship, a position of relationship. We are in a position where God speaks to us by His Spirit and His Word. He doesn't go out and tell us to do all crazy things. He tells us about, you know, being pe be, um, let the peace of God guard your hearts and minds. Be still and know that I am God. That in the turmoil, he brings peace. In the indecisiveness, God has a will. That when things go wrong, God has a confidence and a place that he's going to keep us. See, that's the position that we live in. That's the position that we have in our relationship with Jesus. Anyone who trusts in him is acquitted. Anybody know what acquitted is? It's a legal term. Means all the um, charges against you are dropped. You're acquitted. Every sin that has ever been committed is acquitted. Why? Because Jesus Christ has forgiven you. It doesn't mean that they never happened. It means that the guilt of that is totally gone and forgiven and you are acquitted. So that's the position. I'm, I'm acquitted of all my sins. That's the position. When, <coughs> when the devil reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. <laughs> I always like that one. <laughs> when the devil reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. His future is hell. Our future is heaven. 
let the past go. That's your position. Anyone who refuses to trust him has long since been under the, penal- the death sentence and without, without knowing it. And why? Because that person's failure to believe in the one-of-a-kind God, Son of God, when introduced to him. Just a failure to believe. So a positional living is having a whole and lasting life that God didn't come to point out an accusing figure. He came to help to put the world right again, to trust in Christ, uh, to allow his forgiveness, to be acquitted of our sins. The position I have is I am one with Christ. I am forgiven. I, am, I have a life that now has purpose. My past is the, the, the wrongs of my past have been forgotten, forgiven, acquitted, and I have a new life in Christ, and this is my position. This is my position. Steep your life in God's realities, God's initiatives. And the initiative is this. The initiative is this, with what we believe and what I expect to accomplish in this message. Okay? The initiative that I have and and the, and the expectation of what I have out of this message and the teaching of Scripture is that something better exists. Something better exists. There is a closer walk with God than we've ever had before available to us. And every one of us are in this category. Every one of us can be closer to God. Every one of us can be in a, in a relationship with Jesus Christ that continues to grow. This is our position. We continue to grow in our positional relationship with Jesus. It doesn't change. I'm still a friend. He's still a friend of mine, and I'm a friend of his, and that he is with me always, and he has a, he has a will and a purpose for my life, and I'm continuing to try and, you know, and, and seek that and desire it. And so this is my position. And as I grow in my knowledge of Christ, I should become closer in that intimacy and closer in that relationship with him. But God has something better in mind. God has something better in mind. This is my position. My position is an expectation of better. Better. Doesn't mean the expe- that, oh, well, I can get better things, better cars, better, better this, John Deere, I can better, you know, I get all those better things, you know. <laughs> but that's not the better. The better is the relational experience, the, the understanding in my heart, the, the relational perspective that I have in my mind that that I am acquitted, my past is forgiven, I have a new relationship, I have a new expectation, I have a new destiny, I have a new future. And now I'm, I'm applying, I'm having this heavenly perspective brought into my life and I'm applying the Word of God to my position. And my position is one that I'm, not, I'm in this world, but this world doesn't own me. I own, this, I own the things of this world. I'm a steward of it. I don't own it. It's God's. And God has given me a stewardship of everything I possess. So I want to be a wise steward. That's my position. People who don't have God have the misconception they own everything. Well, they're going to die, and it's, they can't take it with them. And what's going to happen to it? 
We have a responsibility to take, you know, the story of the talents, the five talents, the three and the one. The guy who had five went out and used it wisely, came back with ten, and he's got, you know, it's a good steward, good steward. Three, three, went out with three, come back with six, good steward. Guy said, I had one, I buried it. <laughs> you wicked person, you. That was the selfishness of, of that individual trying to pull something over. I'm giving you back what you gave me. I, I, you know, I, I gave God back what he, what he gave me. And the idea is a wise steward wants to be pleasing to his master. Some of us have, some people have great talents of, of <clears throat> you know, music and making wealth, you know. Some people have, you know, great abilities of leadership and, and things. Other, you know, others we just go right on down the line. And what we are responsible for are the talents that we have not the talents that other people have. We're not to be jealous of other people's abilities. Other people, you know, Einstein, you know, he's a pretty intelligent guy. But he's, he's responsible for his intelligence. You're responsible for your gifts, just as he is for his. And that's why God doesn't want us to become jealous, doesn't want us to become envious, doesn't want us to become, because then we become focused on what somebody else has rather upon us, what we have, and our position. I don't have to be jealous of somebody else. I have to take care of what I own. I'm a steward of my life. So I don't have time to worry about whether somebody else is a steward of their life. I don't have time to be a critic, you know, of somebody else's life. I have a responsibility to my own. And if I am responsible enough before God to take care of my position in life, God can bless my position and can take me places that I never dreamed of. I hath not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the hearts of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. That's your position. That's your expectation. Something God wants to do for you. Does, does it mean that you're better than anybody? No, he has that same expectation for everyone. How much will we put that into our talents and our stewardship and what we possess? Everything in our life hinges on how the Word of God is received in our lives. You see, something better exists, and the Word of God is there to make that real to our lives. It isn't that I, I'm, I'm in this to get more so that I can build bigger barns to keep my life. I am in this that something better exists, that I am part of a, a plan and a purpose that is bigger than myself. I am part of the will of God and purpose of God for this world. And I, and I have a responsibility. A responsibility to God and a responsibility to life. At the funeral I, I did this week, um, I mentioned how that we are here to celebrate the giftings of a person's life. And how that this individual no matter where she went, she was an advocate for breast cancer. That she would constantly tell anybody everywhere they needed to have their mammograms, they needed to get, you know, be aware of breast cancer, they needed to take care of themselves, they needed to be aware of this, because at the age of 30, 31, she was diagnosed. 17 years she fought with this illness. But... She was constantly an advocate for American cancer, for research, and for all these other things. 
That was her, that was her advocacy. That was her, her, what she felt was her dream. But one of the things that, that one of the characteristics that people said about her was that um, she was, you know, sh she never became down about what happened to her. It was never a why me. And it made me think of Viktor Frankl in the concentration camp. Whenever he, you know, he's in, he, I think he's in Auschwitz, and all these people are coming to him and telling him about their, their life, you know. Everything that they, was important to them is gone. Their family's gone. Their possessions are gone. The only thing they possess is their life, and they don't know how long they'll have it. So what's the use of living? What's the use of trying? Why not give up? And his response was, we have a responsibility to life. Life doesn't have a responsibility to us. And as we look at how that the scriptures work with us and talk to us about our life, we have a responsibility to life, to be a, a wise steward of what God has placed in our hands, in our minds, in our abilities, in our talents. We are to be a wise steward of all that God has given to us. And as we are a wise steward, God will bless. God will bless what we have. He will bless who we are. He will bless because we have a responsibility. And it's not the opposite that we are here collecting. You know, the, the foolish man in the Bible was the guy who took what he had and he said, well, I'm going to go out and build bigger barns so I can keep everything. And he talks, you're a foolish man. Tonight your soul will be required of you. You know, you're going to die because you have nothing greater than yourself. But here in the kingdom of God, in our position of, of life, we have a responsibility to God. And that we are, we are allowing that life offers, you know, life isn't what offers to us. We have a responsibility to life and what we have to offer life. In our failed position, I don't have that much. But in a godly position, we are kings and queens. We are in a position where we are one with God and we are one with Him and He promises to bless us. He promises to answer our prayers and to hear our prayers and to work with us and to cause things to work together for good. He has a will for us to follow that will take us from where we are to where He wants us to be. That's a position. Someone, God, the divine, isn't working in my life and He is taking, leading me somewhere. That's a whole different position than sitting and thinking that I'm nobody doing nothing going nowhere. <laughs> the position of life. 1 Corinthians 13. I chose some very familiar scriptures that speak to us of some basic positional relationships. If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I'm nothing but a creaking of a rusty gate. You see, if I see my position as anything less than loving people, I'm just a noisemaker. If I speak of God's word with power, revealing the mysteries and making everything plain as day, and if I have faith that says to mountains, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. Our position, you see, the position that we have is not a position where we lord over people. We are in a position of loving and caring and, and extending 
God's love and mercy and grace to others. If I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. So love what? Love never gives up. Now, we can reverse this. The relationship that we have with God, God loves us. He never gives up on us. That's why we are reflective of these very same issues. It's God to us, us to God and to others. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Jesus died on the cross so that we would have our sins forgiven. He loved us. We then care for others, extending. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. <laughs> Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first, doesn't fly off the handle. <laughs> I like this one. Doesn't keep score of the sins of others. You got two, I got one, I owe you. <laughs> Doesn't re revel when others grovel. Takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. Puts up with anything. Trusts God always. Always looks for the best. Never looks back. Keeps going to the end. Love never dies. Inspired speech will be over someday. Praying in tongues will end. Understanding will reach its limits. We know only a portion of the truth. And what we say about God is always incomplete. We don't know it all. But God does. And God has placed us in a position where we are able to speak of Him, to love Him, to see ourselves with a place of relational experience with God and with others, and we are not above them to rule over them. We are in a position to serve them, use our talents wisely, and it can continue to multiply back to us. And it's, it's such a, it's such a um, seemingly uh, an opposite thing that if we give, God promises that he'll give back to us, pressed down and running over. Okay, shaken down, running over. That God will bestow back into our lives. But here we are being blessed out of our socks with, with, what we've been, what, what, with what we've sown. And then we find ourselves not lording it over, but serving others. And continually serving. Here is God, here is Jesus Christ, who didn't think it robbery to be equal with God. But yet he became like us and died for us so that we would have, so that we could be like him. That's our position. And, and this is just the beginning of it. This is just the beginning of this positional relationship that exists between God and I. Did you know? I'll, I'll quit with this. Did you know we only complain about things we can, we can do something about? We only complain about things we can do something about. Our position in life is a place where we find our relationship with God and we look at it and we say, well, you know, I'm not this, I'm not that. We complain about it. But the only thing we complain about are the things that we can really change. And the reason we don't change is because we're afraid of the risk. We risk we're afraid of the risk of failure. But God is saying, wait a minute. My position, he's saying to us, you have a position in me that it's all going to be okay. And if, I'm, if you pay attention, we need to pay attention to what God is speaking to us. 
in our hearts and in, in our minds and our spirit and his word, pay attention to it. It's not going to be crazy off-the-wall stuff. It's going to be things that will be there for us, to, that will help us in our serving of others and the growing of ourselves. You know, he's not going to tell us to jump out of the boat and see if you can walk on water. He's not going to tell us to jump out the third story, fifth story window, see if you won't, you know, see if it hurts. He's not going to do stupid stuff like that. He, he's, you know, you have logic and normal reasoning to, to tell you not to do that kind of stuff. And the spiritual things are a spiritual way in which God is going to bless you, bless your spirit, bless your soul, bless your mind and heart, and help you in your understanding and growing in your position of life, to love. What we do is motivated by loving God and loving others. We'll find that the risks are not as great as what we thought. The risk of other people's disapproval is nothing compared to the position that we have in Christ and, and having God's approval upon our life. That's what we're here for. That's our position. And it all changes. Changes for every Christian. Changes for every believer. To see ourselves as God sees us. And he sees each one of us as his child. That's a position that is good for an eternity. Amen? I'd jump up in the air and click my heels and land on my feet gently, but I probably wouldn't. That's a risk I'm not willing to take. <laughs> I'll just let that thought slide. <laughs> but do you see? I mean, do we understand? Do we see? And we all, included, need to recognize that we're kings and queens. That, just that illustration, that that position will change them. Hopefully it changed you forever. <laughs> but we are changed forever because of our position with Jesus Christ. Everything changes.